Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. You may have noticed that we're celebrating sleep this week on Kindling Kids Radio, and we just launched The Promise of Sleep, a podcast looking at all the different aspects of sleep and parenting. And we did a stack of interviews for this podcast. I couldn't get them all of the good stuff in. And one of the great interviews we did was with Melissa Hughes. She's a psychotherapist at Baby and Beyond Counseling. I spoke to her about sleep deprivation and how it impacts our relationships. And this is the extended interview I did with her. You won't find it anywhere else. I started by asking her about how we respond to sleep deprivation as parents. A huge impact. Sleep deprivation, sometimes people describe as living in suspended animation. It can range on a big continuum too, from just I'm a little bit foggy to those impacts of brain function, emotional state, behaviours, they're all very hard to moderate when we're suffering sleep deprivation. And I often say to parents, there is no mistaking why they use it as a form of torture. You know, and I and I often used to describe that show Big Brother where they used to be able to apply them with alcohol and then responsible service of alcohol came in. So in order to get the absolute nth degree of these people's personalities, they would give them those tasks that kept them awake all night. So they would end up in a similar state to being completely plied with alcohol. People do unnatural things, say things that they don't often mean. Their capacity to hold a boundary, their capacity to function effectively, have rational conversations, incredibly minimised. Is there anything happening physically when you're sleep deprived that affects that? Okay, so your eyes, your eyesight's not as acute, your hearing changes. I mean, these are kind of biological impacts. But the things that I'm working with are the emotional impacts of sleep deprivation. So sometimes people can feel completely overwhelmed and not know what the next step is. So people's problem-solving skills are minimised. So if you've got a brand-new baby, if this is your first time having a baby, you're sleep-deprived partner sleep deprived you're not going to be making the best decisions either alone or together that makes complete sense because i remember in the particularly with my first child that first year possibly the first couple of months my husband and i used to spend it felt like hours making the smallest decisions about taking her out for a walk or and we used to get really cranky with each other because he would say to do it one way and I would say to do it another neither way was wrong no. but that makes sense what you're saying that we were both just didn't have rational no you don't have problem solving capacity so when when they've done the latest research neuroscience wise they talk about the problem solving capacity that we have 90% exists in our unconscious mind the times that we have access to our un unconscious mind is when we're asleep, when we're meditating, or the other one is, is when we're in a therapeutic alliance with a practitioner. So when you are speaking to someone, a psychologist, psychotherapist, when you're speaking to a counsellor, if there is safety and trust, there's a way that you can access your unconscious mind to help problem solve. 
what you're saying there in terms of how we can try and help this problem because we can't we can't sleep more because mm. the baby's not going to let that happen. Yeah. Meditating can be quite difficult with a new baby Absolutely. because you're not going to sit still. It sounds like counselling might be one of the key places that you can get support during this period. Yeah, it is. And one of the things, many years ago I set up, a, it was a postnatal depression support group and just the the sharing of the difficulties was so helpful to normalise what people were feeling. Just as how we live at the moment, people are quite isolated and that isolation impacts hugely on um, state of mind and pleasure because when all you have is your own thoughts in your head, if you never externalise that internal monologue, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So the process of actually talking to someone, naming it, and especially someone who has um, expertise in this area, I hear the same things over and over. So I can say, I've, you know, that's a really common way to think. Sometimes what will happen too is I will see a woman and I will ask her to bring a husband in. What I usually find, especially with new babies, mums, okay, and this is my clinical observations, rule of thumb for me, mums can get through about 16 weeks just complete sleep, sleep deprivation, looking fabulous, decisions are going well, and then somewhere around three, four, five months, the wheels kind of fall off. The sleep deprivation catches up, failed decisions or difficult decisions just accumulate. And what tends to happen, what, what I observe in relationships, is the partner will go into this space where they do. They do, 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 and they do it really well and they don't complain and they don't let on that they're sleep deprived and they're impacted as well so what can what it can look like is oh my gosh my partner is just kicking goals all the way through this and I am tired I am cranky I am so I will often ask the partner to come in and if a partner in a safe space can actually say I'm tired too like I'm over it too like sometimes I want to get in the car go for a drive but I thought that if I told you that, it would be worse. In my experience, every time, it's not worse. The mother is so relieved that she's not just the only one experiencing it. It can actually be a really uniting moment. So honesty in relationship is really important. And I mean like transparent, not the pleasantries. I'm talking if it's bad, share it. If it's great, share it and everything in between. The really hopeful thing about sleep deprivation, any perinatal mood disorders in the early days, if you come and talk about it, people get better very quickly. Yeah, I find it interesting when you talk about that sort of articulating how you're feeling because I think sometimes, particularly when the sleep deprivation lasts for a long time, Sometimes you can feel like all you're doing is complaining about not having any sleep. Yeah. And I have heard it often, and I've got to say it happened in my own house, that we it became a bit of a competition who had had the most uh, sleep. Yep, yep. And I used to get really angry. I'm like, there is no way. And it, and it helped nobody. Yep. But it was a real bone of contention in this hold on who's, who's suffering more here. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
that's the insane competition, right? So you look at it now with lots of sleep and you look back and go, ha, 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 really funny story. But at the time, it's not funny at all. That's your key thing that you're looking at. And does he need more sleep because he's going to work? Do you need more sleep because you got up during the night? You know, that balanced scorecard method, it doesn't work. So like... It's a race to the bottom. Totally. To see who's at the bottom. Like yes. it's, it's the worst race ever. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, we, when you start talking about it, so when you start, um, and, and I think the thing that I experience, and I'm lucky, so when people come to me, when, when two people come, I always say to couples, you can get through anything. I've seen couples get through so many things. And what I, what I ask them to come with is honesty, open-mindedness and willingness. And if you're only going to have one of those three, just bring willingness. Because if you're willing to try new things and have a look at your relationship, at it, like at yourselves individually, because that's the other thing, you're sleep deprived, so you're in this kind of suspended animation, it, you're probably not eating as well, and there's new research out which um, has found serotonin levels in the gut, so that's why when they say you can eat your way to a better mood, it's true. But that's not the only thing. And one of the other things that I always like to address with couples, because no one tells it is, or no one says it, because everyone's so keen to be complimentary and excited about the baby. No one's saying, it's a shame you've lost your relationship, though, in the form that it was. And people grieve that. Women miss their husbands. Husbands miss their wives. Because the average age of first babies is rising, people have had relationships for longer and just had themselves for longer. So it's a real missing, you know. It's a, and, and sometimes they can't figure out that that's what they're missing because they're stuck in sleeplessness and aren't we really excited we've really wanted this baby. And also part of that shifting, what I realised anyway, was you used to walk into a room and if your partner was there, they are the ones you'd go straight to. They would be the ones that light you up. They were yep. the ones that you touched, hugged, yeah. kissed. And once the baby's there, you're not even aware that you're doing it. But both of you, the first thing you go to is the baby. Yeah. Often, though, when marriages are strained and the kids are 8, 9, 10, one of the patterns that has come about is dad gets home or mum gets home and they greet the kids, the dog, and then the other partners, the last on the list. So one of the things that we do when we're working with couples is absolutely say, first point of call is wife or husband. You've got to connect and set the hierarchy at the top. You mentioned, um, you know, when you come in and you greet those that are in your family, how important is touch and affection? Because that's another thing that you can forget in your concentration on the children and life just gets busy and especially when you're sleep deprived and possibly a bit cranky, yeah. what difference does it make to push yourself to touch someone even when you're thinking, oh God, you know, he slept more yeah, than me yeah, last yeah. night and I'm not, I'm not going to give him a cuddle? I like it. I, I always talk about hugging the hedgehog and, and I say this to women, you know what? Angry gets the shopping done. Angry gets the laundry done. Angry gets the kitchen cleaned. Angry gets the dishwasher unpacked. Overwhelmed and sad doesn't. Sometimes, though, that front, that's a defence mechanism. So often when your partner, when especially women, when your wife is super angry, 
if you can hug the hedgehog, the spines will go in. <laughs> you know, because underneath that rage, I always talk about pain, fear, hurt and sadness. So if you can remember that under any kind of defense mechanism you're seeing on your partner is one of those four things, pain, fear, hurt, sadness, and you can actually try, look, look she's yelling, I don't know why, something's broken in the kitchen, it seems like a big problem, maybe she's sad, maybe she's hurt, maybe she's got a lot of fear on board, maybe she's in pain. If you can ask someone at that point, hey, what's happening? Just that question can actually get underneath the defense mechanism that is getting your partner through the day, like they're doing it because it works. If you can look at your partner with kind eyes and with a bit of generosity, like, and that's not natural. I mean, there are, there are some people that are born like that. I don't meet a lot of them, but you can learn that. I think it is incredibly important not to forget single mothers. I have found lots of the books, lots of, they, they often forget single mothers. Now, that's a choice these days too. People are choosing to be a single parent. You talk about touch. When I'm talking to a single parent, these are the two things I say. Find 50 minutes in a 168-hour week and come and talk to me. And with one more hour, you're going to take like two for yourself out of 168, go and get a massage because touch is incredibly important. And when you are a new parent, you're giving. Oh my gosh, they're on me. They're touching me. They're feeding from me. They're, and it's, it's exhausting and people end up feeling empty. So non-sexual touch is really important. And this is often difficult with couples because a hug on the couch, if that's going to turn into sex, I will give up the hug because I don't have anything left for sex. So I will go without the hug for fear of a miscue. So those two things, touch and talking, you can, you can get through life. Single parents can cope incredibly well. And that is the way I kind of suggest that they do it. In summary, if someone's listening to this podcast and they're sleep deprived, they're finding they're a bit snappy with their partner mm -hmm. and things are starting to fall apart, what would you say about three to five tips that could help them right now? Go and talk to someone. And whoever you find, 80% of the work that you'll do with a therapist, counsellor, psychologist, psychotherapist, whoever you choose, 80% of the work you will do is dependent upon the relationship. Like I say to all the people that come to me, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. There are so many people out there. Do not stop. If, if you feel comfortable, you will know. And if you don't, keep looking. So find someone that you feel comfortable talking to, number one. Number two, if you can, put in something like a massage. I like to say to my new mums, you need to do one thing for yourself each day. And if that is just husband has baby, I get to have a 20-minute shower instead of five. Make a list. Make a list of things that you are going to do for yourself so that when you are so sleep-deprived and you are feeling crappy, you can look at your list and go, righto, I'll walk around the block. Righto, I'll call a friend. Have an honest conversation with your partner and ask them to be transparent. Ask them to tell you their struggles if you feel like you have room for that. The other thing too, with people that are sleep deprived, don't be so hard on yourself. 
and don't make really big decisions for at least a year. <laughs> don't decide you're going to leave the suburb. Don't move states. Don't just settle just so you're not making a decision from a place where you're sleep deprived and you get to 10 years in the I'm like, why did we leave that suburb? Be kind, be gentle. Try and be generous of spirit in your thinking about your partner. If all else fails, if everything else fails and you are out of your mind, pick up the phone and call someone. There is also, and I say this to mums, when you get on a plane and they do the, the introduction, one of the things they say is fit your own oxygen mask first before you help others. This is the, the kind of framework I work with mums on. You have to have your own oxygen mask on. If it's the difference between your baby going to a playgroup or you going to counselling and getting a massage, choose you. Because if mum's good, everything else will roll out. You've got to put yourself first. That was Melissa Hughes. She's a psychotherapist with Baby and Beyond Counselling, and she features in our final episode of The Promise of Sleep, how to deal with sleep deprivation, where you can get all kinds of information, also from a nutritionist and uh, other sleep experts. And you can subscribe to the podcast and you'll receive a new episode about sleep every week. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.